Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? A boot in the face! It took me a second to realize what you were referencing. Amazing. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Incredible. It <laughs> really caught me off guard. Yeah. We, of course, would like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, and David. Yes. We yeah. would never give you a boot to the face. <laughs> no, no. That's was my biggest laugh of this episode, right? At the top of that episode. Very fun. I like everything that they do with um that oh, truck so Z Leaper the whole time. Super good. Um this series <laughs> is how I learned who Batrock the Leaper was. I don't think oh, really? I knew or ever internalized or committed to memory Batrock the Leaper. For some reason, if I knew who he was before this show. Uh, the first time I watched it is for some reason why it stuck. Yeah, probably because of his his boot to the face. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Isn't he in a Marvel movie or something like something weird? Like they'd had like or at least someone named Bartrock or something. Am I misremembering that? I feel like there is some movie that references a Batrock. But maybe he's not actually in it. But I don't think he's actually in it. And I think it was one of those things where like somebody oh, was named it and everyone was that's like, what it is. does this mean he'll appear? He's in uh, he's in Winter Soldier as just a mercenary. It's just uh, George uh, Batrock or something like that. Okay. That's all That it is. Yeah. checks out. That checks out. That oh, he apparently out. was in three episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, that shows how forgettable that character is. Oh, I didn't even shit. Know. That's who that well, was. Well, that's a weird series. Time. I don't know if we ever really mm. talked about it much, but yeah. like mm. that series... It does great. The the great things it does are really great, but the underwhelming things it does are really yeah, underwhelming. It's also, so. like it ends up ends up probably being my least favorite one of, of among yeah. my least favorite MCU TV yeah. shows, maybe things ever. Even though I like some very unfortunately, because like the the best stuff yeah. about it rules. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. weird. Man, that's like how it's kind of the MCU TV stuff at its worst and how they were approaching things. Yeah. It should have just been a movie, really. That should not yeah. have been a TV show, in my opinion. But there you go. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's of... been your quick Falcon and the Winter Soldier segment of Walloping Web Snappers. <laughs> you know what we don't need to talk about all the time? The MCU, because everyone else fucking talks about that Honestly, shit all the time at this point. It feels like, for some reason, this show, even though it doesn't actually weave itself full at this point into the mcu for some reason it feels more mcu than even the things that come after it oh yeah um, for sure yeah 
It's because it was clearly, I think it really was, they couldn't have Spider-Man in the MCU, so this is their opportunity to do it. That's fair, yeah. Instead. That makes sense. There's literally Phil Coulson and like... That's true. <laughs> and Sheila and Nick Fury <laughs> in it. True. Like, I think that, I don't I don't think, I don't think there's any galaxy brain take for why this feels like MCU. I think it's all yeah. right on the surface. I don't know why I forgot that like the MCU <laughs> character is yeah. literally just in this, yeah, in this show. That's all it is. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, we got a little bit of business. Last week, oh, there yeah. were some word snappers, uh, words... And those were, he specialized in web design. Uh, and those were from Katie. Nice job, Derek, getting that in at the end. Yeah. What was really funny, though, is that, like, wow, what, one of, there was episodes, an episode weeks ago where I said that, like, almost verbatim, I talking know. about was... the ultimate Peter Parker in the comics. Yes, yes, yes. He yeah. was a web designer, I think, is what you said. Yeah, because he's a web designer at the Daily Bugle. And that was, like, literally, like, I think, not even a week. <laughs> I think it was literally days before Katie submitted those words on Patreon. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. That was like. <laughs> the episode <laughs> like, wasn't even just... out, and they sensed it. Yeah, yeah. Not that, I mean, honestly, there are probably way more opportunities between then and now to have used it. I just kept forgetting to plug it in. Um, so it was kind of fun to just get it in Look, right, right under the wire. <laughs> it's the curse of the show giving us lots to talk about. Like, that, whether you like the show or not, like, I think come to our podcast because we have plenty to say about it. Yeah, yeah, good and bad. There's, yeah. there's, this I, is the show is a this show is it is it is often a mixed bag. But I think what's interesting about it is the things that are really good are like really surprising and fascinating, and things that no other show is doing. And the things that are bad are really like interesting because this show is doing things that no other show has has been doing. Or Spider Man show, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is interesting to me. I mean, we're we're totally like on a tangent, going in all sorts of directions. It's just one of those episodes. Whatever, deal with it. Um, <laughs> Who cares? I am curious because I yeah. do feel like, and I, I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think based on how you just described this show, you and I might have sort of different feelings on like the ratio of good to bad so far on this show. Because I think for me, like the majority of what I've watched is more good than bad. Like I don't even think it's half and half. I feel like generally speaking, what we've gotten is good stuff. Um, there's just like, there's like writing by committee obvious moments. There's things in here that are sort of like uh, sometimes weirdly paced based on other stuff we've watched. But generally speaking, I'm currently feeling like positive on this show. Where do you fall or what's your like ratio of good to bad so far? Like um, six episodes in. I think the trouble I have is that the most of the good I still like don't super vibe with. Mm-hmm. So even when the show is really good, I'm just still like, that was fine. Like yeah. there's never, it, I don't, the show is never a slog to watch, which is how the internet always pegged it to be. It's they never it that. Seem like it work. is like Yeah. It's so fast paced and does still throw enough joke. There's still enough places where I, if not laugh, at least like chuckle or like find something I'm using, you know, that like it's never work to watch it. Yeah. You can really throw it on anytime. I'm never dreading watching it, but I'm also never like excited to watch it. If that makes sense. It's just sort of like, it's a thing we're doing for the podcast. I, 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 I understand why I dipped out. As soon as I did, not because I hated mm. it, just because like I never enjoyed it enough to stick with it. You know, if I was watching it, it would always be only be for the sake of completing it or to do it for a podcast. Okay. Which doing it, and I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the conversations about it a lot. Oh yeah, I don't and doubt I, it. And I don't think the show is badly put together. It just I just like don't really care about what's happening most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the most enjoyment I get are just when the jokes really land. Yeah. Um, so, okay, that checks you know. out. Yeah. That's kind of that's sort of the vibe I was getting. Yeah. So cool. All right. Thanks for entertaining that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We yeah. are, in fact, here to talk about a specific episode of this show. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to follow along with us and watch Ultimate Spider-Man, you can do that on Disney Plus um, and check out what it is we are talking so much about here on the show. Um, and this week we are talking about Ultimate Spider-Man Season 1, Episode 6, Why I Hate Jim. Pay attention. Your gym teacher, Mr. Moleskin, will be out due to a freak accident after last night's game. Well, Coach, looks like you finally broke that state field goal record. Mr. Jaeger will be your substitute until further notice. I look forward to the challenge of unlocking your hidden... talents. I'm looking for finalists for the Citywide Athletic Achievement Contest. Don't give me less than 110%. You could learn something from him. How to creep people out? I'll see three of you here tomorrow for the final cut. Rand, Osborne, Thompson. Danny, Flash, and Harry? I aced that thing. Why am I not a finalist? Hello? Peter, have you heard from Harry? Something's wrong. I can't get into the school. It, the fence is electrified. <sighs> it's Saturday. Why are you... Did you say the school's electrified? Get here. Now. Destroying school property goes on your permanent record, you know. Oh. Decided to come clean, Thompson. Huh? End of the line, Thompson. You can take off the mask. I was gonna say the same thing. If it is a mask, ugly. <laughs> Mr. Jaeger, our gym teacher? So that test was only about finding Spider-Man? No, I don't feel so bad about getting cut. So just one little thing. This doesn't fucking matter, but this stuff always interests me a lot. Oh, for On sure. On screen, the title of the episode is Why I Hate Jim, which I think makes sense as a title because they're talking about gym class. That's how people refer to Jim as just, I hate Jim. Um, Disney Plus and like a lot of other places, I think even IMDb maybe, um, adds a the to it and calls it Why I Hate the Jim. So there's a little bit of a weird yeah. discrepancy there. I think Why I Hate Jim is a much better not much better. It doesn't make that much no, of a difference. But I, I think, think it's, it's a better much title. better. I think these are very different sentences. I think when you say why I hate Jim, it speaks to the subject in school, yeah, Jim. Jim class. Um, and sure. I think when you say why I hate the gym, it's usually referring to hating going to the gym yeah. or exercising. Yeah. I think yeah. those are very different. It's going to a gym. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, just you ever a heard weird... of the show called The Simpsons? <laughs> Oh, a guy. It's just a weird, yeah, it's a, it's just a weird little detail. It's always funny <laughs> when those things happen because it's always like, where where did the typo come from? Like, where did that, yeah. at what stage, you know, was it just in the marketing materials how it got sent? Was it actually written that way, like on the script and then someone when they were making the episode was like, oh, that shouldn't have been like that. Like, who knows? I, I don't know. Yeah. That stuff is always fascinating because it's just like that lack that like lack of consistency for something subtle. Like, yeah. how does that happen? You know? I think pretty definitively why I hate Jim is 
is the title of this particular episode. Yeah, so absolutely. much of this episode focuses on gym class. Yeah, and again, and the that gym is, teacher. That is the phrase literally displayed on screen right. in the episode. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think we can safely say it's why I hate gym. <laughs> Thank you for uh, letting us go, <laughs> letting us uh, interrogate that. <laughs> Where else? You Where know? Else? Where else? <laughs> So for this one, the synopsis for IMDb is Taskmaster goes undercover and infiltrates Peter's school to seek out Spider-Man. Spider-Man and White Tiger must put their differences aside and find a way to defeat an opponent who can mimic all of their physical abilities. The original air date was April 29th, 2012. It was written by, of course, Man of Action, but also Joe Fallon. So uh, we know Man of Action very well, but Joe Fallon is a new one for us. Um... For this age group, Joe Fallon was a story editor on Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Mm. He was also a writer on the Nickelodeon and Disney iterations of Doug, so both of them. Um, and oh, he also- that's interesting to me. Yeah, right. It is. It is very interesting. <laughs> I, ironically, I'm not a Doug scholar. I have watched very little Doug in my life. But what I hear frequently when it does come up as a result of my name is -hmm. the very clear distinction between the two series, Nickelodeon and Disney. So it's very interesting to me um, that there's like any connective tissue based on how people talk about them. Yeah, it is interesting. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot. But they're very different vibes, very different, you know, very different. uh, I mean, it's a lot of different writers on it. It's a it's Mm -hmm. a very different um, tone between the two of them. And I mean, there's a there's a gap, too. I think that Fallon wrote a handful of episodes on the Nickelodeon one and maybe only like one episode on the Disney iteration, but it's still, it is still interesting and a funny, I mean, just, this is a funny thing because we're talking about Doug. I don't know if we've ever had talked about on on this podcast, but like, you know, you, your connection to Doug is just the same name. So you've heard about it for your title and I'm sure you'll never be able to watch that show without some kind of resent, a little bit of resentment, no matter what of people just associating it together. It's softened if only because the references to the show when people meet me has drastically gone down in the yeah. past, like uh, probably 10 years, I would yeah, say just time like, has moved away from it. You know? Oh yeah. At the time though, when it was still airing and all through college, like oh, geez, yeah. could not stand like the Doug theme song, not cause it's bad or anything, because like it's literally the only thing until, yeah. until, um, until Hangover came out, it's truly the only thing anyone associated with my name. Oh, wow. It was now, I so wonder, annoying. I'm assuming people were singing the Nickelodeon theme song, not the Disney theme song, but I'm, I would be curious if anyone ever did the Disney I didn't one. even Is know there, there were different ones, so I'm assuming are, it was only the Nickelodeon one. Yeah. Um, oh, but the reason I brought that up, you have that oh, connection, yeah. but- the original iteration of Doug, uh, Bluff, it's Bluffsburg, I think is the town. The now, it's Bluff something. I think it's Bluffsburg. Is that the town that they're in is based on uh, Richmond, which is the city that I live in. No way. Because uh, that's what the, yeah, the writer, the writer grew up or the creator like grew up in Richmond or spent time here. So there's a lot of like landmarks and stuff and just the way the town is sort of set up and some of the visuals of it are, are directly based on uh, Richmond and his experiences living in Richmond. Damn, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So you have yeah. a way better and more uh, high quality connection than I do. Everybody. Yeah, I also watched the show when it was on, so very, very feel like one of us has a much deeper connection in many ways. Uh-huh. I believe, I believe uh, that some combination of my family members, or no, you know what? We didn't go to the to see the Doug movie, but my dad did get the Doug movie from the Hollywood Video, the rental place. Uh, because I shared a name with Doug, uh, not realizing 
that we never watched the show because we didn't have channels where it was oh, on sure. unless it was on uh, one Saturday morning or something. I think it did point. come on. It did event. Well, the Disney version did come on right, one Saturday morning. Right. Yeah. Um. So I the the most exposure I've had. I've seen episodes oh. of Doug. Nobody freak out. I've seen yeah. episodes of Doug. But the movie's um, not good. But is I the think problem. the first thing I saw was probably the movie. <laughs> the movie that's called that's called Doug's first movie. Like while you're really yeah. shooting your shot, you're getting another one, and then you made a shit movie <laughs> so yeah i don't remember anything from it so that tells you i mean plenty. it's just you know it's just it, it it's like they literally <laughs> like find a monster or whatever which is oh, like that does cool. sound familiar it's cool on its own but it's like the whole point the whole thing that made doug kind of special to people is that it was like oh it's a cartoon but it's like real life and stuff you know like yeah it was very sort of down a to Seinfeldy kind of cartoon. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, you know, it's it was just sort of like you're gonna fucking throw in like a your version of like a cryptid in there that they chase after. Like <laughs> it, that sounds cool and if you on can't paper, but it's Derek with a cryptid. Yeah. You've done it very wrong. It does the thing. I was sort. Of, I was conflicted because it's sort of like it's cool. There's a monster, but like, why is there a monster in Doug? Like this is <laughs> this really is like classic yeah. like jump the shark stuff. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are Doug tirade. What is yeah. I mean, when is Doug ever going to come up? When are there ever going to be writers from Doug on a Spider-Man True. show? I, I honestly don't know that we've encountered it. So no, I genuinely don't think we have. Yeah. I mean, that's the the thing that's fun about this show is that we're running into writers from things that we n- yeah. never run into before. Yeah, which um, is great. This and those, it was like this, and kind of the MTV show is kind of the same way too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he wrote on Doug. Uh, this is Joe Fallon we're talking about. It was probably about an hour since we've last mentioned <laughs> what we were talking about. We're even on the Doug tangent. Um, Joe Fallon, yeah, he wrote on Doug. He also wrote on Avengers Assemble as well. So the uh, the sense. other Avengers show that comes after this. Um, the reason that I originally said for this age group is that he actually pretty primarily works on preschool age shows, um, which I'm sure people who hate this show are shuddering like, oh my God, a guy who wrote shows for babies wrote for my cool Spider-Man show. No wonder the show sucks so much. Oh, guess um, what? We've talked about people who write for preschool yeah. age shows before everybody. Oh, we have. We have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so he was actually uh, and, and like the, the preschool age shows he worked on are like the top tier well preschool age shows. Very well regarded ones. Preschool age shows. Yeah. That people who were complaining probably watched and learned a lot of things from. Right. Um, he was actually the head writer uh, of Arthur for multiple seasons of it. Which is a show that has like a very strong adult fan base. Like people did not abandon that show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people were watching, was it the series finale where they flash forward and Doug, uh, not not Doug, Arthur is like a podcaster or whatever. (laughs) Um, And the gay rat wedding, like, yeah, yeah, the gay rat wedding, Arthur fucking rules, man. Um, in, in addition to that, he also developed and was the story editor of the 2006 curious George series. And he was a writer for Sesame street, uh, which, you know, that's always a big deal. It's like top tier of, of uh, young children's television. And uh, he actually, t- he developed, I'm sorry. Ses- he developed the Sesame street mecha builders Excuse animated series. There's an animated series where the, where the uh, Muppets from Sesame street are reimagined as uh, mechas. Oh. They're just a bunch of robots who are super. Wait. That didn't go in the direction I wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, no, there are. I didn't want them to them. be Mecca. I wanted them yeah. to be operating Mecca. <laughs> no, that would be cool. It is literally like Cookie Monster is a giant blue robot like, oh, that that's fights less monsters. Exciting. Yeah, mm. it's so cool though. I, oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's like, a it's like a wild concept, so I am still yeah. intrigued. But yeah, um, it was but, like a Sesame Street action show. That's pretty fun. That's wild. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Joe Fallon. Yeah. What a fun resume you have. Seriously, what a fascinating career. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, this episode was uh, directed by Jeff Allen and Gary Hartle. We talked about that team uh, on our episode 175 because they directed Doomed. Oh, my God. That very much checks out. Oh, for sure. I right? think that super <laughs> yeah. checks out. Yeah. We'll talk about, I think, this episode in a, probably a similar way that we did to that. So um, mm-hmm. that's interesting to know. So. Uh, we do get Taskmaster here. I will say I don't typically get very excited about Taskmaster, but there are two things uh-huh. about this particular Taskmaster that are very exciting, and one of them is the voice actor because this Taskmaster is voiced by Clancy Brown, who we know and love and have talked about plenty, oh particularly God, as the voice of Captain George Stacy in the Spectacular Spider-Man, but also particularly uh, relevant to me and things I love, Captain Black in the Jackie Chan Adventures. <laughs> He, wasn't it also Rhino in Spectacular Spider-Man? Too? He was. I, I think he so. Was. He he, he yeah. provided many voices in that. Um, yeah, because it's that fucking good, man. Yeah, he is that good. And if you're yeah. not sure who we're talking about, because maybe you're just jumping in for this series, because uh, you're hoping we'll trash it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're hoping we'll trash it, you didn't get six episodes into this. <laughs> no, God, they dipped out so quickly. I know. I know. Um, but if you, if you don't know him from Spider-Man things, uh, he has a super recognizable voice. So if you don't know him as Captain Stacy or Captain Black, think Lex Luthor in the, uh, DC animated properties. Think Mr. Krabs. Think Neo Cortex from Crash Bandicoot. Um, mm. you've almost certainly heard his voice. And once you sort of register his particular, like, texture and the sound yeah. of his voice, you will never stop hearing it. Yeah. He's so good. I mean, yeah, he's so good. And he's one of those dudes who shows up in live action all the time too. Like you'll, oh sure, yeah. Sure. Even if you, if I mean, you have heard him on a cartoon for sure. But even if you somehow haven't, you will see him in live action somewhere. So yeah, yeah. We talked yeah. about him a whole lot yeah. during Love Spectacular. That guy. So love that guy so he's, much. He's so good. He's great. One of those people who can just talk and it works in voice acting, but doesn't yeah. just talk. Like all those voices, his Lex, his Mr. Krabs, his Neo, yeah. all very different. This is mm-hmm. probably one of his roles, probably because it's you know not a series long thing, where he does kind of just sound like himself. Yeah, he's not putting <laughs> on a voice for this, but I mean, even if you watch Spectacular Spider-Man and listen to his voice for Rhino versus Captain Stacy, very, very different. different voices, very different performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I'm so. I'm glad that they got him into this because I think yeah uh it makes ta- i mean i think i fucking love taskmaster master in this episode yeah i'm like you i don't really have any feelings either way towards taskmaster i think they use him really well and i think a big yes. reason for it is clancy brown's performance but also they just use yes. him very well period right one it's clancy brown i think clancy brown understands the assignment here like he yeah. knows the version of taskmaster he's playing and the context he's in um mm-hmm. but two it, again i can't stress enough how much sense it makes that the directors of the doomed one did this because that one is so weird and kind of like high con not high concept, but like higher comedy than some of the episodes surrounding it. This one is very that this is like, God, I actually, I don't know if I necessarily love this episode for its execution, but I love this episode for, uh, basically feeling like a Bailey school kids book. Did you read those books? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. 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 yeah right. For sure. Oh it's my like God. taskmaster doesn't teach gym class. Like that's what this episode of the show is. It feels so yeah. nostalgic to me. <laughs> no, I like, I like this episode. I will say, I know we was, yeah. I think that we started off the top of like how I feel like the show is a mixed bag and I do, but I, I was surprised going into this cause I didn't know what to expect. I'm like taskmaster in a gym class. Like, I don't really know 
I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. I think that but they it knows how ridiculous really, it is. Yeah. I think that they play it for comedy in a good way, but I think they also use their bizarre premise in a very smart way for this episode because this episode only makes sense in based on like what's been set up for this in the world of this show where it's been set up where shield has like imprinted itself on Spider-Man school (laughs) and he has a team that he works with. It only makes sense in that concept. And it's a really cool, and and, and it's a really cool story that they do with it. It's, it's a really cool use of taskmaster. And also like it gets to use Peter's high school life and high school friends, which again, I've stated over and over again is the thing that I was, I was afraid going into this show wouldn't really have time to deal with and do shield stuff in favor of it. And I think this is a perfect, this episode is a perfect mesh of the high school stuff and the shield stuff. So um, not to like do yeah. final thoughts at the top of the episode, but I think that's the vibe I'm going into with this is I like this. One. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I think this one is something special here in the first half of this first season. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I really think so. Yeah. It's, it also, I think it speaks to what is appealing to us that this is another one that probably could have been placed anywhere in the sequence of the season and still made yeah. sense. Yeah. You know? It also um, helps that it's a white tiger centric one. It's like, fucking, finally we got something yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, that is nice. <laughs> There's at least one thing I definitely want to talk about, but like yeah, yeah, for the for most sure. part, I'm just happy that there is White yeah. Tiger here. Yeah, there's so there's some there's some stuff I'm uh, that will be a conversation. Oh, for, for, sure. Sure. <laughs> for sure. So let's get into what is actually happening in this episode. It opens with Otto Octavius, who we did have a week off from, and he is having a conversation with Taskmaster about capturing and delivering Spider-Man, and they're having this conversation as they are watching Spider-Man chase Batrock the Leaper up the side of a building courtesy his motorcycle. Look, Luckily, the motorcycle gets ditched very quickly. No, and honestly, because when, when I, I was like, this is the only context that I think I like Spider-Man on a motorcycle, is him driving up a wall to catch this like hyper-French stereotype with like even playing with a super French soundtrack. It's so absurd and silly. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? This is fine. And it's, and yeah, it's, it's like in and out. They use it for the opening for it just as a reason, right. just a way that uh, make it more dynamic of Batrock literally just like leaping up a building and Spider-Man following on a motorcycle. Like it's so absurd. Like, I, and they know that it's absurd. And, so it's kind of the perfect deployment of it. And it does provide a single, very small moment of foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Good God. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Um, for this episode. So it doesn't feel significant. It feels like a thing where they're like, okay, they had to show the toy and then they threw it away. But there yeah. actually is a story reason for them to include him on the motorcycle, which is nice yeah. when you think about yes. it. So I agree. Yeah. And this is the moment. Taskmaster remarks that countering Spider-Man's powers will be easy given his own powers, which if you aren't familiar, uh, is basically the ability to instantaneously mimic somebody's combat style or mm-hmm. um, combat skills. So he's like, no big deal that he has powers and that he's agile and that he can fight. I can do all that. I just need to watch him for a second. The problem is that he is being given all this tech from S.H.I.E.L.D. So all this tech that he has, that is something I can't mimic. So I'm going to have to figure out a way around that. Yeah, I was really, I was really, um, I wasn't sure what to think when that, when, when that like line first came up, because that's, you know, that's a thing that I, you know, I don't really vibe with, with this show is Spider-Man's relationship with shield and shield just gives him cool, cool tech. And it's just like, okay, well, whatever, right. there's a story reason for it. So I was like, is this going to be an episode about how Spider-Man doesn't need that tech or why that tech is important or what? And I kind of really like how they use it with it going yeah, forward. It really I, wasn't either of the extremes I was expecting. Yeah. It just has kind of a wrinkle and a reason to get taskmaster involved in the way that he is. Um, yes. Which is really fun. I like yeah. that. 
Yeah, it's nice. So as his battle with Batroc continues, Spider-Man finds that White Tiger has joined him, but not to fight Batroc, to deliver a message from Fury, which is get back to the helicarrier for training. And Spider-Man says fieldwork is training, and they kind of argue about this, uh, which at first I was a little worried about, but it plays out really well. This idea that White Tiger feels like the only way you can truly prepare and get better is by doing formal training exercises, doing things in the context of training, and then taking that stuff and applying it to the field. Um, Spider-Man feels the opposite, that the training is not that helpful. Um, What is helpful is going out and doing, which fits this Spider-Man very, very well. Yeah, I mean, it fits both of them. That's the thing. I mean, that's been White Tiger's mantra the entire show so far. Right, right. So it'll come up a lot, this idea of training versus just jumping right in. Um, so they're having this conversation and it seems like what white tiger saying makes sense because Batroc literally kicks, uh, Spider-Man's ass, uh, yeah, boot to the (laughs) face. (laughs) And so white tiger is like, okay, let me fix up your mess again. Steps in with what she calls her new electro clause. She says, if you don't go to training, you don't get new gadgets, uh, which is (laughs) annoying until we learn why. Um, Mm. and so she uses these new electro clause to finish Batroc. And Otto Octavius and Taskmaster Taskmaster are watching this the whole time um, and kind of taking notes um, as as Taskmaster prepares to try to capture Spider-Man. Couple yeah. notes here. Mm-hmm. Jameson has a broadcast playing in the background of this whole fight, uh, which is actually more important than I thought it was going to be. He's talking about uh, trying to figure out the identity of Spider-Man, how there are clues leading to potentially him being a high school student, and how he has potentially narrowed it down to Midtown High. And this is something that Taskmaster takes note of, uh, so it kind of gives him a direction to go in. Yeah, I appreciate that in the context of this episode. However, you didn't really need it because Norman and Otto already, didn't they already know that they went to Midtown High from the first episode of the show? That Spider-Man went to Midtown High? Or was there something yeah, that... Yeah, so, so... Well, I, I'm trying to remember how that was resolved. Because basically, they... Uh, who was it? The the wh- Whoever the first guy was put, like, a tracker on Spider-Man. And they traced yeah. him back to Midtown High. I don't remember if that episode did a similar thing to this. Where it sort of, like, takes the suspicion away for whatever reason. I don't remember how that episode ended uh, with that particular detail. I feel like they just kind of, it was just like, they just kind of ended the, the fight. Like, cause, cause Otto was just going to blow up the school, you know? Like, I don't think yeah. that, yeah, I think they just kind of left it unresolved. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not a huge deal. It's just, cause I, I, I just would have assumed that they would just would have continued with that piece of information. And just cause since taskmaster is literally being hired, hired by Otto anyway, and just been like, Hey, yeah. by the way, we think he goes to midtown. Why don't you try to infiltrate but there's, that? You know, but if it's connected whatever. to Otto and Norman, there is, a, and we're just getting into like total off screen fanfic sort of yeah. not fanfic, but like fan theory sort of uh, stuff here, like headcanon. Mm-hmm. If it's connected to Otto, there is a possibility that with Otto trying to blow up Harry's school, Norman mm-hmm. made it off limits. And Ooh, so until okay. there okay. was some other piece of information that Otto could build on to say like, no, we have to go back to Midtown, I could see it being off limits for Otto. That's fair. We do yeah. see Otto has like a weird demeanor and temper in this episode. So, and, and we've seen Norman try to, to like, um, not control him, but like subdue him or like, manage his emotions externally so mm-hmm. I, I could see that being a, a sort of no bad auto off limits situation 
That's fair. And, and regardless of all of that, it, I, I do kind of agree with you that like independent of that stuff in this episode, I like that they actually use Jameson for something rather than just like background voices, which is all right. they've done with them so far. <laughs> so I will yeah, take it. Yeah. I, even though I, it, you know, it, it feels like it should have been an easier way to like weave it into the ongoing story of the season. The, the fact that Jameson is used for something for once in this show, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'm desperate though. I cannot lie to you. No, me too. Desperate at this point for them to just bring Otto and Norman to the foreground of this show. I know. I'm desperate for it. Like, it's not even the good kind of tease. Like, it's not building me up in, like, a fun way. I'm just feeling like it is, it is, like, dehydrated. Like, just let it live. (laughs) I know. I know. The little bits and pieces they're giving us are really not great. Um, But that's kind of independent from this episode. Otto's really not a huge piece of this. (laughs) No, no. It's just the setup for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The next day at Midtown, Coulson announces that everyone should be high alert due to Jameson's broadcast. And also, by the way, the football coach is out with a freak injury, um, which is a fucking freak injury. (laughs) The cutaway for that. So fucking funny. Um, It is just this this weird this it's like literally just like a spring trap that like on the football field that just like propels the, the coach like over over the it's, uh the field goal it's honest it was honestly my first clue that this might be a taskmaster that i could kind of get behind because one of the things i don't really care about when it comes to at least the taskmaster portrayals i've seen is that they are so serious and they're so dry yeah. and it's so methodical and technical whether it's in the video games or it's the mcu version um or whatever versions i've seen it always feels like I get that that's what makes Taskmaster threatening is this sort yeah. of like uh, almost mechanical robotic sort of mm-hmm. impending doom. It just doesn't appeal to me. So sure. when I when when this happened, I was like, oh, they're going to like play with Taskmaster. He's going to be like goofy and weird. Yeah. He's going to use like your like Wile E. Coyote traps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so good yeah it's so good a few things about this before we even go forward um in in this sequence for one you know when they're talking about you know uh, being on a high alert about spider-man i like that like the detail that harry like kind of wants people like wants the rumor to be spread around that he is spider-man because mm. it kind of feeds into yeah. his episode in venom because it's like clearly he has a little bit of a hero complex he has it feels like he's in a weird competition with spider-man he wants to be like cool and do cool things too um and i think sort of plays into where this episode kind of goes too with him so yeah incredible catch oh that's such a good detail i think it's a very good detail i kind of like how subtly they're seeding their harry story here Mm -hmm. Um, because i know i I, this is that is one of the few things where i know at least to a a, to a certain extent where it kind of goes with him so Mm -hmm. uh, i think that is kind of interesting to to track and see um another thing i like way less uh, when they're talking about Spider-Man, Mary Jane uh, is like, uh, like, oh, yo, Harry, you you would be rich enough to to make those little that like webbing that Spider-Man squirts. And Peter says to Mary Jane, Spider-Man doesn't squirt, MJ. He shoots. And I wanted to kill myself no. on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, look, we've gotten uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, webbing up his shorts, and now we've gotten Spider-Man doesn't squirt, he shoots. So I hate it. Hate it. I hate it. Sorry, that's just what he said, and I wanted to die instantly. I don't hate you for bringing it up. I hate that it exists in the show. Why? You know Stop what, doing you it. You know they knew what they were doing. That can't be an accident. I don't, yeah. I He's, don't like it. I don't like it. He's a fucking 16-year-old kid. Stop it. <laughs> it's weird. Also, like... I don't know. It's just for some reason it's like not an ingredient I want in my Spider-Man. For I don't no. know why. Like I I know I get it. Everybody I get it. Webbing is come. Like I get it. Yeah, but like, you don't need to. You don't need you to don't spell need, it out. Right. That's, right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Especially Whatever. in your your comedy cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry I brought it up. Here's here's a here's a palate cleanser. The PE teacher the the, the, the PE teacher's name that gets like sprung around that you know it's sprung into the sky. His name Boing. is Mr. Moleskin, which is a fucking hilarious name for a teacher. <laughs> like that why sounds was that like the a choice? villain's name. <laughs> right. Like that Mr. sounds Moleskin. like the guy who has an accident and turns into a villain. It, that's like to the point where I'm like, is that a character from the comics they're pulling from? Because it's such a weird, specific name that know. you're pulling. <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember like what the gym teacher who facilitates the boxing match between like Flash and Peter's name is. You <laughs> Mr. know, maybe Moleskin. that's Moleskin. <laughs> <laughs> I have no uh, idea. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. So that football coach, he's out. Uh, with that freak injury. So here's his replacement, Mr. Jaeger, AKA, obviously we can tell it's taskmaster. Um, Mr. Jaeger, oh who, by the way, my God in love. I am in love. So in love with his funny. PE teacher design. It is in fucking credible. It's like, I suspected I was going to like what they were doing when I saw the spring. And then when they do the very obvious, Hey audience, this is Taskmaster, and he is so gay. <laughs> it's inc- he's got a full ass fucking mustache. He has got the shortest short shorts imaginable. He has cut off sleeves, like a sleeveless shirt. Um, that, but it's and like not, a sweatshirt. Not, it's like a cut it's like off, a, like a sleeveless sweatshirt. Yeah, I it's feel like, like. He, it's like it's like one step Oversized. away from just being. It's one step away from him from it being a crop top. Like that is how right. close he is to that. And right. he has like the, the the tall tube shorts with the converse. Like it's fucking and the sweatband. The fucking sweatband is what, what <laughs> brings it all together. The sweatband it's and mustache so over brings it all together. He is the most homosexual gym teacher. 80s, the classic gay 80s coach that I have ever, I have seen this man in a million 80s old porn, gay porn. It's like fucking (laughs) incredible. Like I can't, I can't even express how homosexual this fucking, (laughs) this fucking taskmaster is. A hundred percent. It's so funny. It's so funny because it's so out of place. It's so out of place and so matter of fact. It's so good. It's so and good. And no one comments on task it. Master. Like, yeah. I, I I bet you there are people who fucking hate this oh, episode. You know what I mean? I and love, if, if, uh, if Taskmaster is your favorite, I get it. But for me, no, if, not 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 being into it, this is the funniest shit ever. No, dude. If my favorite, <laughs> if my favorite villain was this fucking gay in a cartoon i would be over the moon are you kidding me if i'm look like, i'm making fucking, a sweeping generalization to assume that people whose favorite is taskmaster are, are not the same people who appreciate high camp that's fair. <laughs> but well, hey I, who am i i don't know yeah yeah i just 
so fucking good. Oh my God. When I saw, when I saw that that's who it was and that's who we were going to be with this episode, like I lost my fucking mind. Like, but like it's, it's that. And it's the fact that so early in the episode, they just say, Hey audience, we're planting this guy in the school as a regular (laughs) or extremely homosexual guy. (laughs) And no one else knows. It's so funny. Like I said, the, the best comparison I can make is those Bailey school kids books that explicitly tell you, Hey, their teacher's a vampire and no one seems to care or notice. Like it's just so funny. Yeah. Aren't those also like sometimes kind of weirdly gay coded? Like, was it? Oh, Bailey those are kids? extreme. Those books are yeah. extremely gay. Well, is that the, the same? The one? monsters, or like the yeah, the the, the sort are. of titular, or not titular, but like the monster of the book, basically. Are so many of them are gay? Is that the one where they go to like a werewolf at summer camp, and he's like, yep. and it, they have the drawing of like this like hairy gay man uh-huh. like eating a hot dog, very sensually. Mm-hmm. It's like. Okay, yeah, Absolutely. that's the gayest shit I've ever seen in my life. That's cool, the I love one. it. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, and and like I love that no one, no one, they don't make a joke out of it. It's not like that guy looks like a weirdo in that way, right? Like, like I, I think it would, it would be fundamentally worse if they kind of, I know they wouldn't do like a gay joke on this show, but I feel like they could do something kind of veiled, like what's with your shorts, and like right. they don't do it. It's just sort of like. Oh, who's the new gym teacher? I don't think we that guy seems like a creep because he's right. fucking a villain, you know? Like I right. I, I love that. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's just fundamentally better that no one comments that this guy's pulled out of a fucking 80s 80s movie. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. It's just god, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I don't remember what he says. He says something like very obviously villainy. And Peter even (laughs) says like awkward phrasing or veiled threat. You be the judge. Yes. Like, it's like, do not take this episode seriously, please. And I love that. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's exactly. Exactly. You cannot take this episode seriously. It is like the Doom episode where it is so obviously meant to be absurd and over the top and wacky and goofy like yeah and if you're not into that i get it but like that's what the episode is you know it ain't bad man i had a fucking blast with this one i thought this was so funny this episode (laughs) is so stupid yeah oh in such a good way yeah yeah uh where are (laughs) where are we I don't know. don't know. Gay shit, homosexuals from the 80s. Gay, I don't gay know. Homosexuals from the 80s. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we've met Mr. Jaeger, right? And we know immediately he is Taskmaster. And then we cut to Jim because he's the gym teacher, right? So they're playing like dodgeball or something, and we get this cutaway, which is important. It feels a little bit weird, like in the pacing of things, but it's important for the episode. Peter explains that he. Uh, in situations like gym or sports or whatever the case may be, dampens his ability to protect his identity and the people around him. This is not news to us as Spider-Man fans. We've seen this before. It's just like in the comics when he would pull his punches in a boxing match against Flash, that type of thing. So when Mr. Jaeger has the students compete in an obstacle course to try to figure out clues about which student could be Spider-Man, uh, Jaeger basically recognizes everyone's athletic ability except for Peter. <laughs> this is good shit. Like this is genuinely as silly as this episode is. This is all like really good writing because it's all based in either stuff we already know from this show or like Spider-Man lore. Like for one yes. Taskmaster's plan, honestly, 
pretty great. Like, I think that his plan is really good. Like, just, like, infiltrate the school, pretend to be a gym teacher. You'll have every reason to test these kids' uh, athletic capabilities. And if you're good, and if his whole deal is being able to spot, like, you know, uh, the way that people move and stuff, that's a perfect yeah. way to do it. It makes perfect sense. I love the detail that he, like, considers that, that like, he considers people like Flash Thompson to be Spider-Man. Like, of you know, of course, right? Like, Flash Harry and Danny are all athletic people. And, like, Peter, it is a long-standing thing in spider-man mythos that he like protects his powers and it's such a clever thing that mm-hmm. like they're cut that he sort of is unintentionally like defeating taskmaster's plan by simply doing the thing he's done as peter that parker he always for, like, does ever. right he always does i also and, feel like, like yeah you can't stress enough that like taskmaster's ability is to immediately registers people's physical ability and skill so yes this is totally perfect like yeah it it it, it Immediately, he's able to to recognize what Spider-Man can do and what these kids can do. I also think it's perfect that Flash is one of the people he chooses as a top three candidate because Flash, we know, has a history in many yeah. properties of wanting to be or pretending to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And Harry, who we just saw claiming to be Spider-Man or yeah. wanting to spread rumors about being Spider-Man because he's jealous of Spider-Man, is also yeah. a perfect pick. Danny's yeah. kind of a weird one, but you need three. No, you know? I, but I think Danny makes sense, It works later though. in the episode. <laughs> but I think Danny also makes sense because out of out of the team, he is the, other, the only other one other than Spider-Man and White Tiger that uses physical capabilities for everything that he does and yes. is like the same sort of size and frame as peter is yeah so no it makes sense it makes in the most sense. like literal way for sure for sure yeah. um yeah th- and that makes sense you have some like thematic picks that make sense and then you have like the literal like this is the most likely member of the team outside of white yeah. tiger but we get into that like immediately after this yeah right right because yeah so they're all picked as as final flash harry and danny um are, are picked as finalists Ava, obviously, because she's fucking White Tiger, also did amazingly well, but is not picked as a finalist. We know why, because he's looking for Spider-Man, not actual good performers. Um, But she's kind of pissed. It's like, wait, I was really good. Why didn't you pick me? Because I'm a girl? Um, Which the answer is actually yes, because Taskmaster knows knows Spider-Man is a girl. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This makes perfect sense in this episode. But in the context of everything we've watched, it's almost kind of frustrating because it's like... This is the actual answer for all of the dumb shit you've been doing yeah. prior to this as the writers of the show. You don't yeah. let her do things because she's the girl. Yeah. <laughs> so in this and- <laughs> episode, it makes sense, and I want it to be self-aware, but the show's not old enough to be self-aware. Yeah. Like, I don't think, at least, you no, know? No, I don't think so. so. Like, I don't think it's, There was a part of me that was like, ooh, this feels like this feels like salt in the wound. <laughs> it does, especially because the episode by the end is sort of like, it wasn't because, no, I I know now, it wasn't just because I'm, I'm a girl or whatever. It's like, it's like they kind of, yeah. It, it, I, when I, for yeah, this story, it literally is because you're a girl. Right. He's specifically right. looking for a boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, totally out of context this is actually very very funny because she doesn't know why and we all do and it's sort of like the first instance of suspicion right like that yeah yeah yeah. i think justifying why she would be suspicious later in the episode and gets her there like it is actually very good writing like it's a Mm -hmm. perfectly justifiable reason for why she would she would think all of this is really sus which is why she's at the school on saturday where she Mm -hmm. needs to be you know yeah so it's good but yeah in the context of the patterns of this show it's not a good look but (laughs) It's frustrating. At yeah. least she gets to do cool shit in this episode. She does. So. <laughs> As a result of not getting picked, she uh, it's it literally can only be her or Luke. Well, or I guess Danny. What is Danny doing? 
Or not Danny. Um, Danny no, Sam. Is Sam, Sam even, whatever. Is yeah, he in where, this episode? Where the hell even is Sam? I don't was, know. Maybe he's not Was in Sam gym even class. in this gym class? I don't think he was even there, which is fine. I still don't like him. He has I not didn't notice. Improved. He has not improved, notice. endeared himself or anything or made any impact at all. So Oof, okay. other than being kind of annoyed by him most Yikes. of the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess the only other person was Luke, and they kind of play it off. He's like too bulky and strength based yeah, to really to really absolutely. be here, but Makes also sense. doesn't really end up being part of the the heist, yeah, which is okay. It's fine. I I think it's better. It's better to to keep it just be Ava and Peter at the absolutely. end. Absolutely, thematically, it works a lot better. And mm-hmm. give her a spotlight, please. Please, for the love <laughs> of God, yes, let her do something. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Ava is like. Um, yeah, well, guess what, Peter? The two of us are still going to show up on Saturday uh, alongside Flash, Harry, and Danny for the next test because she's that salty about not getting in because, yeah, she her performance was great. She should have been a finalist based on what she understands of the situation. Right. Um, but Peter's like, doesn't this like new creepy like gay coach kind of creep you out a little bit? Um, and she points out that she wor- she's like, well, I work with a guy who sticks to walls, so like – uh, yeah, everybody's creepy to me right yeah. now. It's going to take a What's lot more creepy? than that. It's going to take a lot more than being like a homosexual from the eighties. But you know. <laughs> I do think it's funny, but it is worth pointing out. The show is not making him creepy because he's obviously giving no, off no, no, no. I'm eighties yes. homosexual vibes. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's creepy because it's Clancy <laughs> Brown. It's Clancy Brown being a villain, like reading all of his lines right. in a creepy way. Like right. that's why he's being creepy. <laughs> right. Honestly, saying like, ominous, vaguely threatening things. <laughs> right. No, the fact that he's a that it, that he's a clearly a gay man. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a right. very funny flavor to the creepy all of this. comma eighties homosexual man. <laughs> yes, not creepy space homosexual yeah. man. I would know, hope unrelated that, characteristics. I would hope that anyone <laughs> listening to us now doesn't think that we're. Trying to put that on on him, like he's clearly a creepazoid and a freak because he's a gay man. I mean, girl, same, but you know, besides the mm-hmm. point. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, later that evening, we get this little scene that ends up being very important. Taskmaster knocks out Agent Coulson and then uses his handprint to access the security plans for the school and learns that shield has basically supplemented this school's security system um, to a ridiculous degree. So he now has all the plans for Midtown High's advanced security system. Yeah, I think that this is pretty clever. Uh, I like I liked seeing this because I feel like the shield making itself fundamentally part of Midtown High, weird choice, bad idea. And this episode is sort of like, yeah, it's a bad idea. It makes everything go wrong for him because Taskmaster can just like hack it. Like he, if it was, was a normal high school, he couldn't like put up a fucking electrical shield. So I, I kind of like that. Well, there's an odd thing happening with the show, even six episodes in where they've clearly the writers directors have clearly gotten directives about things that must be included in the show right shield must be included fury colson technology must be included iron man clearly needed to be included in in an episode and i think it feels like the writers are willing to say yeah of course we'll include that stuff but aren't willing to just fully buy into it as like straightforward like genuine, sincere elements of Spider-Man's experience, right? Yeah. So the fact that these writers are willing to make the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. has intervened actually the obstacle or like a benefit to the villain, mm-hmm. I think is 
kind of neat and I think is encouraging to me because it at least means one the people who are actually writing scripts and like writing dialogue and coming up with plot points for like individual episodes are willing to not necessarily just like go with the flow that like of course shield is here and this is how shield works and it's going to be cool because it's shield right um but then also clearly there is at least some room to pull it off I mean last week we talked about what seemed like some egregious intervention at the end of last week's episode but this makes me feel like that intervention isn't necessarily happening every single step of the way. There's at least some room because this idea easily could have been nixed. Somebody easily could have said, wait, no, you cannot make shield tech the bad guy. Yeah, that's true. And no one said that clearly. I am very curious to see now that we kind of have an eye on this sort of push pull between the writers and like what's perfect Marvel mandates, you know, like, which again, a a lot of this is like our speculation, but I feel like it just feels really obvious when you're watching the show. Well, Um, and we did have, I think it was a writer, right. Who said like, yes, these were directives. We were told that we needed to include these things. Like that was transparent. And that's not necessarily surprising. Yeah. That, that was, that was man of action, you know, coming in, read a lot of episodes and it was like, it was Steven Seagal. I think he was just like, yeah, I mean, we, we also were sort of like Spider-Man on a team. That's fucking weird but like we kind of got it after a while and i think the reason that they kind of figured it out was because they found creative ways to sort of find weird stories out of it and sometimes kind of push back on it a little bit and make that conflict literally part of the episodes that they're writing because i you know i think that they're like there are they are good writers like i think that they've they've done enough other good stuff that i don't think that they're just gonna be writing bullshit you know and i think that I think that that's very clear here. So I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I, I have to imagine maybe some of the stuff that I don't like about Ultimate Spider-Man is because they're writing under these really particular constraints and have to kind of push back on that. And what's really fascinating watching this is when you're seeing what see what looks like them pushing back on that ends up creating an episode like this, which I think is really fucking fun and cool and only happens yeah. because they're pushing back on those constraints. And that's very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the pedi- we talked about this in the first first episode when we uh, of this series. Like the pedigree of creators on the show is incredibly high, yeah. and you can't you can't have them and expect them to be pushovers. You know what I mean? For sure. So I, yeah. I I'm excited for the push and pull. I like that. That the yeah. um I don't like that it had to happen, but I like your phrasing of that. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see where it feels like it manifests and where it doesn't. I don't know. You know, if if folks have talked explicitly about that push and pull outside of just contextualizing things, but um, I'm excited to like find it. You know, it's encouraging because the little that I know about seasons past season one, where things sort of start to change drastically, whether in tone or the things they focus on, it makes yeah. you wonder if it's sort of like, is it just that the executives are started paying less attention to the show and creatives are allowed to do a little more that what they wanted, and then the show sort of changes and evolves because they're not doing that push pull anymore, but are working in this established universe? That could be really interesting, and I think that could be kind of encouraging. So. Well, that's something. I mean, that is a bit of the '90s show experience, right? The first season mm. was way more. There was way more control over yeah. that, um, or or maybe the better way to put it is less freedom to the creators. And I think Semper's talked about that, right? There was a point at which he could just take over and do his thing. The first season wasn't that season. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, you're successful. All right. We're going to focus on other stuff. And then suddenly the show becomes more serialized and does a lot of really cool stuff. So yeah. And that first season is easily my least favorite of the 90s show we've talked about. So yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, maybe this will be the case with this one too, where like the first season is its weird thing. And then, you know, uh, the freedom will, will come. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of potential for that to be the case. Let's hope. That'll be cool. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out in 12 years. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
Okay, well, back to what's going on here in the episode. The next morning after Taskmaster knocks out Agent Coulson, uh, that's the Saturday, right? So Ava calls Peter, letting him know, one, hey, you didn't show up, what the heck. Um, Two, that Flash, Harry, and Danny should have been done with Jaeger's test because it's noon and they went in the morning. Um, Three, that she cannot get a hold of them. And four, she can't get into the school because the fence has been electrified. Which at first, like, Sleepy Peter doesn't seem to register. So me as an yeah. audience member was also like, I'm sorry, the fence yeah. has been electrified? Yeah, kind of burying the lead there, Ava. Like, I think that's kind of a much bigger deal than everything. Yeah. You lead with that and right. then there's the context around it. But they're it. smart. They know what they did, right? They know yeah, no, that that's good. our it's reaction. Good. And they give Peter the exact same reaction. So he, like, starts to respond to one of the earlier things she said and then interrupts himself to be like hold on <laughs> fuck all that the fence is electrified yeah, it's so funny it's, so it's funny. very it's like, good it's very good on. i thought it was stupid at first and then it got good stupid you know yeah yeah yes yeah <laughs> So naturally, Peter meets her at the school. Uh, the two of them suit up, and they the rest of the episode is basically them infiltrating and pulling off a heist in the school to try to save their teammates and Flash. Fun stuff. Uh, or, I guess, teammate Flash and Harry yeah. um, and stop Taskmaster. It's such a good setup for the ridiculous shit yeah. they're doing inside of Midtown High. So not only mm-hmm. do we get an inside-the-school kind of closed space or small space shit that you and I particularly like, at least for a little bit, right? We also get this wild premise, these wacky antics, um, and a story that makes an alarming amount of sense given all the absurd shit happening around it. Yeah, it's, I fuck, I mean, I love a good heist episode of a show, and uh, the fact that they sort of do it in a school with Spider-Man White Tiger, like that alone, <laughs> fun yeah. as hell. Throw in Taskmaster's the villain, like this version of Taskmaster's a fucking Wiley right. Coyote villain, yeah. fun as hell. Like throw in all the added wrinkles of like other characters being involved in this mm-hmm. and being tied up in shit, fun as hell. This 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 whole sequence is great. And I will say, we've called him a Wiley Coyote villain. We've called him like the 80s homosexual stereotype. We've called him High Camp. They don't fully sell him out. Like... No, if, he's formidable like, as he, hell. He is very formidable, right? Like, yeah. he's not totally wacky. He's not totally inept. Like, the the episode wouldn't work if he were not also very threatening. So that yeah. is there, too. He really comes very close to beating them until the very yeah. end. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they're infiltrating the school. They find Janitor Stan pinned against a wall. Good God. Um, and <laughs> falling through a trap door. Uh, Spidey's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a malfunctioning security system. <laughs> Okay. Why is he so in denial about this? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, it's weird because he he's the one who's sort of like, isn't Coach Jaeger a little bit off to you? Right. And Ava's like, no, it's fine. But then in this situation, Ava's like, doesn't this seem weird to you? And he's like, <laughs> he's no, like, it's, no fine. it's fine. So, so I don't weird. know if I don't know if the idea was that like whatever one of them suggests, the other one doesn't give credence to. Oh, that's a good um, take. That's a good way to that to sort of frame it though i don't think that comes through i think they could have played that more for comedy oh, if that's what they were they doing. could have which is why i'm not confident it was the intention yeah. but it might have been one of those things where like the characterizations are strong enough that it just comes yeah. through that they're just that hypocritical when they are in each other's realms <laughs> because they butt heads so much yeah, i yeah, actually yeah. like that i like that a lot i think it works yeah yeah um yeah i wish it was more clear if that's what they're doing but i i like that interpretation of it a lot yeah but, I mean, it's obviously not a malfunctioning security <laughs> system, as we know, and they realize it when they see Agent Coulson tied up in his tidy whiteies over a vat of bubbling green acid. They, they, they even do, they like, because 
it's Spider-Man seeing this, you know, 40 year old. He's a 16 year old seeing a 40 year old man in his tidy whities. It's obviously gonna be like, Mm -hmm. ew, gross. But like, they like do this, like zoom in on his crotch with a boing sound. (laughs) (laughs) It's, this is the gayest episode. One of the gayest episodes we've ever watched. And we've already seen an, we've already seen a venom episode. We saw an episode (laughs) where Peter very obviously has like a, a massive crush on Tony Stark. Yeah, and this is this still is like the gayest one we've seen. Gay shit. He's just staring yeah. eyeballs at Agent Coulson's dick in his tiny whities. <laughs> it is fucking bananas. <laughs> what they're getting away with right now. So wild. The show's so weird so sometimes. Weird. So weird. But I kind of buried the fact that he's over a vat of bubbling green acid. Like which, obviously this episode is a fucking cartoon. Right. Which I normally hate, but it's very obviously referencing how ridiculous it is that yeah. everybody falls into a vat of green acid. Yeah. In the nineties. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So yeah. it's very funny. And it's like in his office. Yeah. Like, and he didn't like, take him to a different place. It's literally in his office. In his office. And there's no reason for him to be in his underwear either. It's just sort no. of like, just took his clothes off just to make well, it more worse for him. Taskmaster, fuck, I, I didn't say this really, but, like, fucking hates Nick Fury and Phil Coulson. Yeah. And so, like, this version of Taskmaster could have just done it to humiliate him. Like, That's he just hates those exactly two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is also funny. This, you know, you could take or leave Coulson in this show, I think, very easily. I think very yeah easily leave him i do i'm encouraged right because some of what they have sort of built as the the joke that is principal colson actually plays importantly into this episode being possible so like Mm -hmm. okay they're willing to play with that i do think it is funny how calm agent colson is throughout this whole thing it's a very colson-y thing to do Um, and i think they recognize that even though they have to tweak agent colson for the purposes of this show to make it not feel like just a weird sort of corporate built property. Mm-hmm. Um, they do still have elements of Colson that work. And that is his sort of straight laced unfazed uh, sort of demeanor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it works really well. <laughs> like, if they have to have Colson in this show, I think this is a great use of that character. Cause yeah. it's almost kind of like, it does almost kind of sell him out a little bit, but in a very funny way where it's just like, this character really doesn't matter on the show. and really doesn't belong, but that's yeah. what makes it kind of funny when you see him just shoved in the situation. Like he yeah. kind of has to be, he kind of becomes the butt monkey a little bit well, in like a very funny way. And again, that could potentially speak to what some of the writers are recognizing, mm-hmm. which is like, yeah, I'll include my, Col- I'll include Colson. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to give you the same Colson here. Like yeah, <laughs> he's sometimes yeah. going to be the butt of the joke. He's like sometimes that. going to be the reason that things go uh-huh. wrong. So, you know, yep. that's possible too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that's if there is like plausible. a subtle, like rebellion against, you know, the infiltration of MCU elements, I think we can point to where they are. Yeah, I think so too. I think we've, <laughs> I think we have, we have found a train to like hop onto with this. Um, that's very interesting to like yeah. keep, keep track of. Cause I, I would I be think surprised I, if we found our season one thesis. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And I think that makes this show like automatically, like endlessly more interesting oh, yeah. than I ever even thought it was going to be. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Colson, you know, explains, as we probably already guessed, Taskmaster corrupted the security tech in the school, which is why everything's so whack. Uh, he also explains that they can't communicate out and attempts to explain Taskmaster's abilities. Yes. Attempts because Spider-Man and White Tiger immediately rush off when they hear <laughs> Harry screaming. So they just 
miss Coulson's last point entirely, which is silly but important. I mean, the episode just wouldn't work if they knew what they were getting into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. Honestly, yeah. like if Coulson wasn't there at all, that's what would be the case. So I think it's it's exactly it's fine that either way they're rushing in and then fighting a villain that they don't actually really. Yeah. That's kind of out of their depth. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, point. the only reason they run into Coulson is because they needed Coulson for this whole thing to work, and it would have been weird for Coulson to have been knocked out and be an integral piece of how Taskmaster takes over the school and then have them infiltrate the school and like not find him anywhere yeah. or not oh, of care. Course. Yeah, I think it makes sense. <laughs> it absolutely makes sense that he's there. So they kind of like tie up the full circle like pretty quickly with Coulson here, like his use and, you know, pushing him aside when we're done with yeah. him. <laughs> I think that's totally fine. All right. So with the Coulson bit primarily out of the way we can switch to the rest of the heist so we do cut to what was happening with the other boys right spider-man and uh white tiger have made their way in they've heard harry scream so we cut to what harry's screaming about um and they're basically just running from taskmaster him flash and danny are just running to escape taskmaster who's in taskmaster who's in full taskmaster mode like he's no longer coach jaeger he's just in his shit um here's the thing spider-man and white tiger are like at least danny is there to protect the other two danny has the same idea but danny also does not know what taskmaster's ability is so he just tries to confront him one-on-one and is very quickly knocked out because his entire thing is martial arts and he even volunteers where he studied because he doesn't know any better um yeah and taskmaster's just like great know where you came from know what you do boom you're out yeah i think it's smart i think it's a i mean it's that's a it's i think it's a nice little elegant way to show how formidable taskmaster will totally. be for all of them totally um, yeah cause, i mean their whole deal isn't it's it's for one their lack of information about him but even beyond that just like he does have information on everyone like it isn't even yeah. just that he can copy their abilities which he can and they're all physical fighters but also like he has just a very he's just very knowledgeable on fighting styles in general so yeah. like yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, and this is the switch from like high camped '80s homosexual to like formidable taskmaster yeah. that you expect. Yeah, still a uh, uh, definitely a gay man in that in that skull mask. Oh yeah, but, that doesn't change. Yeah, but but the <laughs> camp is just lessened quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's edgy gay, not campy gay. <laughs> not an edgy gay. <laughs> no. <laughs> So uh, Spidey and Tiger find Harry and Flash at the same time that Taskmaster does um, and watches Taskmaster manages to eliminate Harry as a potential Spider-Man candidate by catching him in a net uh, because he has no spider sense and bad reflexes. I know um, his comment is so dismissive, too. He's like, well, clearly you're not Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like, yeah. damn. Damn, which, again, with hair, with the whole, like, long-term... I mean, I might be thinking going oh, through... Shit. Like, I might be thinking through, like, 2017's, like, inferiority complex Harry lens, but that felt like very very much like what that harry went through in that show was just like oh here's another instance of harry wanting to be cool and like not being able to be cool and being told straight up you're clearly will never be spider-man you know yeah Um, damn dude is it is is this where like don't they unmask taskmaster as coach jaeger and harry just like fucking just screams and runs away at the sight of his gym teacher or something isn't Um, that doesn't that happen at some point around here 
It it happens with the next person that he goes up against. So it doesn't happen with oh. Harry. It happens with Flash or who he thinks is Flash. Gotcha, gotcha, so it's, gotcha. We're close. Gotcha. Yeah, we do get to that point gotcha. pretty soon. Gotcha. I just like that moment where it's just screaming at the every <laughs> gym teacher. Um, well, okay. Well, then that's, yeah, it's probably the next one where Flash runs, Taskmaster follows, so Spider-Man comes up with a plan, White Tiger gets Harry and Flash to a safe location where Spider-Man distracts, distracts Taskmaster. That's, those are two words that are harder I to think, say together than I thought. I think um, maybe some of my animosity comes from Taskmaster being a very difficult name to say. It's not easy. Yeah, Taskmaster. <laughs> Damn. Uh, by confronting him. Uh, yeah. Spider-Man's going to confront uh, TM directly. There you go. Yeah. He says, he wants me, he can have me. Yeah. And this is actually, I mean, this is one of those moments that highlights the Spider-Man versus White Tiger mentality. She says, what's the plan? You know, training, planning, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And we've seen this in other episodes, too, where she comes up with a plan or calls out a maneuver or something. Um, and then Spider-Man just runs in. And so she's mm-hmm. like, great plan. Um, and we know that he is going to fail at this, at least to some degree. Right, right, right. So having lost track of Flash because he hides in Peter's locker, which is funny, uh, yeah. task, Taskmaster, god damn, it really is hard to say, right? Taskmaster assumes <laughs> assumes he's fighting Flash because he doesn't see Flash anymore, and Flash is sort of like the most likely candidate, right? So I, I like that sort of, I, I like that. Um, I think that's t- really, really clever in the context mm-hmm. of the episode, but it's also like a fun reward for anybody who knows Flash's tendency to pretend to be Spider-Man. Yeah. But also the great. fact, and also the fact that like in this comics, uh, in this context at this time, it still would have been kind of new. But in the comics, he had just started being Flash Venom, so it's That's sort of true. like he yeah. he is literally a superhero with Spider-Man like abilities now. So like yeah. yeah, there's plenty of precedent that it's plenty of potential for Flash to basically be a Spider-Man uh, mm-hmm. type person and type hero. Um, so it, yeah, it totally checks out. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, the two kind of clash throughout the school, and White Tiger picks up on and calls out Taskmaster's abilities. So finally, they're kind of catching on to what Taskmaster can do. Yeah, uh, and while I love he's... the way she says it, I think she says he's copying your moves, dude, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's obviously preoccupied. His whole deal is unmasking Spider-Man, thinking that he's Flash. But that's that's when the moment that I was referring to earlier when she unmasks him, revealing Mister. Jaeger, which we all knew, and everybody screams and runs away at the sight of this. <laughs> oh my it's so gosh! Funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Not I like him. that. I love that it's like played for drama, like it's a big reveal, and it's yeah. like no, the audience knew that from minute one. <laughs> We've it's known. not a big deal. <laughs> it's so everybody, the scoop is creepy. Everyone fucking knew that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. This was co-written by a guy who wrote Arthur. <laughs> this was written by a guy who wrote Arthur. <laughs> and i just think that's beautiful that is very beautiful what a what a beautiful what a what a great god like the art the art the artistry involved just yeah. uh it it, yeah. it is really a beautiful beautiful <laughs> world we live in when writers can just yeah. write two completely different things like this yeah um <laughs> where uh so it's white tiger is trying to fight him uh, fight Taskmaster head on, convinced that, you know, her training, she's trained so hard. She's like, that'll give me an edge, regardless of your copyback, copycat powers. If I've trained this much, obviously I can best your copycat powers, which makes no sense really. But like, obviously for her mindset, she's so committed and like headstrong and like committed to this idea that if you train enough, you will be perfect, which, you know, isn't really true. You need a little bit of flexibility, but 
uh, it plays into it plays into your characterization very well. So it makes yeah. sense, even though she's obviously wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, it's perfect because they're both obviously wrong, right? We yeah. see what Peter's approach is. We'll obviously be wrong because we know what Taskmaster Master can do. And we know that what she's going to do is obviously wrong because we know what Taskmaster can do. And until they both fail the same way, they are never mm-hmm. going to figure it out together. You know? Yeah. Right. So it's a yeah, perfect setup for how this all plays out. It's actually good very stuff. lovely. <laughs> good stuff. Good. Yeah. Good characterization. Good character writing. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And good relationship sort of building between the two. I feel like the show hasn't done a great job no. building individual relationships between these team members, if any at all. I think the yeah. most we've seen is like a very little bit between um, Spider-Man and Nova, and it's really yeah. not getting anywhere. No, and then they we've just seen hate each like, other a lot and then right. hate each the other slightly less. growth isn't happening less. yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, there's potential with Iron Fist, but he's really just a sage. He's not really building relationships. So. No. Yeah, actually, this is kind of the first time that we've really seen yeah. Spider-Man and a member of his team like work together one-on-one and grow their relationship. And I mm-hmm. think it works really well in this episode. I have really... I mean, I assume that we will see more with it and get focus episodes for every member of the team, but I'm glad that if it's happening to anyone, it's happening with White Tiger first because mm-hmm. goddamn, have we been waiting for that to happen with We've her. desperately been needing it. <laughs> <laughs> the show has desperately been needing it. Yeah, for sure. Well, naturally, Taskmaster bests White Tiger. Like, we knew that he would, just like he bested Spider-Man. And ultimately, he, like, throws her down a stairwell. I don't know how many stories Midtown High is, but that stairwell looked <laughs> yeah. real tall. Yeah. I don't know about your high school, but mine was, like, four stories, maybe? Uh, mine Three was stories? One I don't remember. story. Yeah. So. so, I don't know about you, Midtown. I mean, I guess one maybe the high schools in New York City are taller, but it doesn't look that big. <laughs> no, not from the outside. It does not look like a skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. maybe it goes down. <laughs> but again, know? this this episode is like more more than any other episode operating on cartoon logic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. Totally true. Totally true. So he throws her down a stairwell, and Spidey manages to catch her with his webbing. Um, this doesn't necessarily, you know, save them entirely though, because Taskmaster knows where they are. He's got them vulnerable in this position. Um, and with Spider-Man hanging from a broken stair railing, trying not to drop White Tiger, Taskmaster Taskmaster can take his <laughs> chance to offer an ultimatum. Two weeks in a row with an ultimatum here. Yeah. He says, yeah. I've got a job offer for you. And if you accept it, everyone stays safe. And if you refuse it, no one gets out alive, which is pretty wild considering there are seven people in the school. <laughs> yeah. I mean... This really, I mean, this turn took me by surprise a lot. And I think I, I already loved like campy homosexual taskmaster, but this endeared me to him even more that like, oh, he is also still this sort of like double crossing mercenary kind of guy. Like I, I kind of fucking love that. I didn't expect this to be where the episode went. Yeah. No, me neither. Cause it didn't have to, you know, no. but it encourages me for whatever might be bubbling in the background because yeah, that's the reveal, right? Is like we think that he is trying to capture Spider-Man and bring him to Otto and Norman. But while he's in this situation, he's like, Well, I was gonna bring you to somebody else, but I think actually I just might benefit from having you on my side. Yeah. So I'm down to just have it be me and you doing the thing I've got plans for, which tells us as an audience, he's double crossing Otto and Norman. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's not really necessary for this episode really, but it adds so much color to his character and him as a villain in this. Um, mm-hmm. 
that it's just, I mean, it, it makes the episode less predictable, honestly, because it's like that suddenly so many things open up because suddenly his motivation is completely different than what it was before. Yeah. And so, I mean, who knows, you know, how, how it's going to go from there. Yeah. I mean, and it just, it sort of gives him like, it also kind of gives him both a new strength and a new weakness too. Right. Cause it's like, now there's something that Spider-Man could play with potentially given his motivation is different, but also like, his, he, he was also hard to beat in the first place. So mm-hmm. like, what, what do you do with that information? So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's good stuff. I like it a lot. Yeah. We also get this little detail. I mentioned earlier that taskmaster has made it explicitly clear. He hates fury and Colson. And he mentions here that fury double crossed him at one point. He remarks that Spider-Man clearly must have some connection to shield and that he should be wary because he used to have a connection to S.H.I.E.L.D. himself mm-hmm. and was portrayed by S.H.I.E.L.D. We don't get details on that, and we can probably assume that it, there's a lot more to it than how he describes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is interesting, too, because it connects him to Otto and Norman in a way. It connects him to Fury and Coulson in a way. Um, it also plants this seed of doubt in Spider-Man that they could potentially play with later on. Um, if they decide to do that, I do wonder how much they will be allowed to necessarily explore the idea of Nick Fury not being um, a good guy. They've toyed with it a little bit, but I can't remember like how is it Winter Soldier where we really get the MCU version of like, oh, you you might be a bad dude or do they get into it earlier than that? I don't. Rem- well, because I just don't know if they're at the point like in parallel where this show would be allowed to be like, actually he's maybe a bad dude. Yeah. Uh, event in, in event in the first Avengers. I mean, there's the whole, it's not, I mean, I feel like I feel like there's ambiguity in the first Avengers movie. Okay, with, with Nick right. Fury, and I there's mean, a whole bit. It's not about as, to come out. So. It's not as bad, but like there is the whole bit where like Nick Fury like put Coulson's blood on like Captain America's cards to make the make That's it true. like more make it make them more emotionally impacted by his death. Like clearly, like he is manipulative in a really kind of ambiguous way yeah um so I, I think it's the means type of guy i think it started there and then it just sort of got progressively a little more gray i don't know that the mc was ever really gone as hard as they could on no the ambiguity they don't want of us to ultimately think he's a bad guy yeah especially i mean and they do like that they fake kill him off in winter soldier and stuff <laughs> who's out, yep. out of the movies for a long time anyway so there's never been a lot of room for it but the the, the ambiguity is definitely there in the movies and, and that, that that is coming out around the same time as okay this episode so so maybe there's a little more room than i think and also i mean i again they're taking so little from the ultimate comics but in the ultimate comics nick fury is a very ambiguous figure like depending on the issue he either is like a pretty decent down-to-earth guy or somebody who really absolutely is gonna fuck you over i mean what we read a couple weeks ago at least at the point in which the venom arc is happening yeah peter parker lists a couple people in that universe as adults who yeah can't handle power like they have power and everything goes wrong he lists Nick Fury as one of those people. Yeah. So, so if if nothing else, if they're pulling stuff from Ultimate Comics, yeah. that version of Nick Fury, I think they do gener- at least in the Ultimate Comics. I know in some of the other ones, they maybe go a little too hard one way or the other, but in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics specifically, mm-hmm. from Peter Parker's point of view, they do a really good job of playing that push-pull of like, okay. is Nick Fury a good guy or a bad guy? I don't fucking know. Um, Even if the show so. doesn't give us an answer, I would be happy with Peter Parker experiencing plenty of doubt and conflict over not just whether to be a part of shield, but whether or not Nick Fury is a good guy. 
Yeah, he absolutely has a reason to be to feel kind of suspect of yeah. Nick Fury, considering how you know he's sort of undermined his word and not really given him his me time that he asked for and taken over his entire school. And the whole reason this entire mm-hmm. episode is happening is because of the way that Shield has sort of put its roots down in Midtown against Peter's wishes, essentially. So. You know, for sure. I I think there's some interesting stuff happening under the surface there. Yeah. Whether they, you know, go forward with it or not, I don't know. But I like that it's there. Yeah, me too. I mean, my one concern is that this episode starts with Taskmaster heavily being this bizarre Mr. Jaeger character. And then it pivots to being a more serious version of him. And so if mm-hmm. Taskmaster does become a regular player on the sort of villain side of things where he's in conflict with the people he's attempting to double cross. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we get the camp version of Taskmaster anymore. Cause how do you swing back to it once you've gotten this version? Not saying yeah. they couldn't. I just am not super confident they would. Yeah. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah. For sure. So here's the thing that actually I was I was surprised by this. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it ultimately doesn't matter because it gets us where we need to go. While Taskmaster and Spider-Man are talking about this opportunity or these details white tiger cuts herself free from spider-man's webbing i guess it's fine because even if she's up high as long as she's got her bearings she should be fine what is weird to me is that taskmaster wouldn't notice this that's really the only time i'm sort of like "Ah." but that's (laughs) me being kind of nitpicky i guess yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think this episode at this point for me was so ridiculous that I didn't even really notice that, that yeah. detail. But you're right; it is. It does for for he's so for they do a, such a good job of making him so formidable, even in spite of the cartoonishness. That like this is they do have to sell him out a little bit to make this work. But yeah, eh, it's know. really the only time I think they do. It definitely is because otherwise he's pretty on point with everything. Right, and anything else, any other way that they eventually best him feels earned. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I'll, I'll, it's fine. It's, I'll give, it's I'll give him this. I'll give yeah. him leeway for this one yeah. moment. Everything yeah. else is great. So this allows her to get away, and it allows her to pull Spider-Man away from Taskmaster when Spider-Man tricks Taskmaster into backfiring his gun, which temporarily stuns Taskmaster. And when I say trick, I just mean he manages to time it right, shoot the gun with his <laughs> webbing, and it yeah. backfires. The most that you can possibly trick Taskmaster. Tax, exactly. Tax, Taskmaster. God <laughs> damn, Tasky. <laughs> Tasky. I don't like Tasky. <laughs> I just, God, there are some names that are so hard to say a hundred times over the course of an hour and a half. Jim Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jim Dad. Oh, Jim Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so they got a moment to regroup now. Spider Man comes up with a new strategy. If Taskmaster can can copy what he sees, then they should make sure he can't see what they do. Which I was like, that's fucking galaxy brain. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> that's, that's genius, actually. It's um, also not, their solution is not how I thought they would do it. I figured mm-hmm. when they talk about making sure he can't see what they do, I figured they would focus on his ability to see like blinding him or something right not what they end up doing which ends up being way more fun yeah and and yes yes absolutely so what they do is they grab an extra mask from peter's locker which we saw before when flash was in it and flash is still there and they in fact leave flash in the locker which is very funny Mm -hmm. um gives that extra mask to white tiger and then draws taskmaster into the gym where all the lights are turned out so it's totally dark and they each use Spidey's night vision abilities from his mask. Uh, so they're able to 
move through the gym without trouble while Taskmaster can't, which, and they're able to best Taskmaster by attacking in the dark. They also like trade weapons as well. Like at a certain point, Spider-Man is wearing uh, White Tiger's gloves, right? Or claws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Electro Claws. The Electro Claws that they established at the beginning of the episode. And there's even a point where Taskmaster's like, hey, 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 I have a photographic memory. I can move through the gym as I as I please. I remember exactly what it was like. But they're like, hey, guess what, bitch? We rearranged the gym's equipment. <laughs> so you're going to trip all over it now right we can move shit number. idiot yeah, we can move <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah it's really clever i mean it's, yeah, it's the type like of thing lot. where you know they do just enough to obscure his expectations of how things are going to go that they're able to pull off things that normally wouldn't work right um and it's really clever i really think so many details from the beginning of this episode I didn't think would matter, like him talking about shield tech getting in the way or just technology getting in the way. The fact that White Tiger highlights her new claws, uh, which in any other episode could mean nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. And I love that the technology that bests Taskmaster isn't big shield tech. That was just a way to talk about tech. It's actually just them switching their tech. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not a particular type of tech. It's just him not being able to anticipate tech if he doesn't know you have it. It's right. so nice. It's so clean. Yeah. Because she uses his web shooters at one point, too, doesn't she? Yeah, she absolutely yeah. does. And which that's is not great. Like, I remember the right. first time I watched this episode when she used that web shooter. I was like, <gasps> yeah. like it all clicked into place. And I was like, incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like this cool. is so you, we don't get to see other people use his web shooters very much. So it's exciting anyway. So mm-hmm. if they're going to do it in a cool way, like that's even better. Yeah, especially that she gets to be the one to do it. I love it. It's Thank like, God. White Tiger maybe d- didn't get to be Venom, but she at least got to shoot Spider-Man's web shooters, and that's fucking cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and something that belongs to her, which he's using, also ends up being helpful. It's not like it, he she's just using his stuff. That's you know? a good point. Yeah, her specifically her electric claws make a big difference. So yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Good stuff, man. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. And again, I did not expect this to be how the episode went. And I was very pleasantly surprised. Me too. Me too. Really liked it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we still got a little bit of stuff here. So Taskmaster is restrained and he gives Spider-Man one more chance to accept his offer. And when Spider-Man refuses, Taskmaster then just says, okay, fine. I know who you are. I will expose to the world that you are Flash Thompson. And so Spider-Man and White Tiger reveal the actual Flash Thompson putting Flash Thompson and Spider-Man in the same room. So there goes that strategy, Taskmaster. (laughs) (laughs) Taskmaster then is like, well, shit. So he uses a smoke screen to escape because you can't really restrain him. Like He's got a way out. You turned the lights on, which was a mistake. Um, And they find in his wake a mask of Mr. Jaeger. So whatever Taskmaster looks like, it is not actually Mr. Jaeger. So fucking funny. (laughs) I love such a pointless, pointless, silly detail that I love so much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if Taskmaster just looked like like that. that. (laughs) There's something very funny about that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my god! So I, and I like this too because this this kind of closes the loop on yeah. what you know could have been an ongoing issue. But Taskmaster having, according to him, sort of you know analyzed everyone he could have reports back to Otto that actually Spider Man isn't a student at Midtown because none of the students fit the uh, fit the bill for it. So yep. he'll need to draw Spider Man to him instead, which prompts Otto throwing an entire tantrum and breaking a bunch of shit. I. I don't need to say it over and over. I just need to know. <laughs> I just need to know what they're doing with Otto. You know, I don't know. I didn't watch far enough into the show, I think, to ever see what they did with Otto. Yeah. So I have no fucking idea. Um, and I'm, I, I don't. I may be worried because I really don't know if I am gonna like what they're doing. I'm worried for a comment that happened earlier in this episode, which is Taskmaster said should be pretty easy for a guy with four mechanical arms to catch a bug. And Otto just says, I don't get out much. And I don't like, I I don't think that means he won't get out, but I'm worried for like what it means for him to be like, he he feels locked up in a cage. Like, and that's not fun for me. I don't want an Otto Octavius who's locked up in a cage. I will say the one thing that I do know about Otto for the future, and this is like years later, so we're both going to even probably forget that by the time we get to it. Mm -hmm. I do think that, like one thing about this show is that there's like mul- kind of multiple versions of Otto design wise. I'm assuming it's the same Otto, mm-hmm. but like I think that they do radically change the character as it goes along. Okay. I don't know if that means it's like organically done or if he just shows up looking different one day or what, but I do know that this version of him doesn't stick through the entire show, which makes me a little bit more intrigued. I don't know if it makes me feel better or worse about it. it makes me feel more intrigued because and less knowing what they do with him. Because mm-hmm. then it's just sort of like, is it a thing where like this is sort of like a pre-auto and then he eventually becomes closer to the Doc Ock we know and love in the future or something, which could be interesting? Or do they just like reinvent him because this version actually isn't working, which is also possible. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know if it's working for me yet. It does <laughs> it's not working for me yet. It, and it is it is um it is clear that this show, I think it's clear that this show wants us to be considering him Otto Octavius, like scientist version at sure. this point, right? Like, yeah. I don't think anyone calls him Doc Ock. I don't think he considers himself anything other than Otto. Um, I think Taskmaster might call him Doc at one point, but I don't think Doc Ock, the persona, exists. That's a good so point. So there's still room. Um, I think, you know, it's possible that he is being you know, held captive uh, effectively or literally by Norman Osborn. And part of it is the literal breaking out of Norman's grasp or whatever. Who knows? Um, honestly, like, it's not even just his design. Like, the design could be fine. I, I cannot vibe with the design and still like the character. I mean, you know, there are plenty of Otto Octavius. Des- the 90s Otto Octavius <laughs> yeah. design kind of sucks. And I still like him in that show. Yeah, for sure. Um so they can miss that and it'd be fine. I mean, honestly, if they just pulled his hair up, he doesn't even have to cut it. Just pull it up, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'd, we'd already be leaps and bounds better, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. There's something about, I, th- I know there are versions of comic Otto Octavius where he is effectively immobile, um, but that gets into the realm of like weird sci-fi horror shit. And this doesn't feel like that. This just feels no. like he's under Norman's thumb in a way that isn't, isn't clearly going in a direction yet. So I'm just left with this like cloud of confusion. It could pay off. It could be cool. I just don't, it's not giving me hope yet. Yeah. And I can tell you too, this isn't like an auto from the, the ultimate 
Spider-Man comics either. Like this, this mm. is fully their inventions. I don't know where, I don't know where this, yeah. where this comes from or where this idea comes from for. Well, us, and so. I think the sort of weird sci-fi horror immobile sort of like, like weirdest version of Otto, I think comes after this in the comics. So I don't think they're pulling yeah. inspiration maybe from anywhere for this one. This might be yeah. fully their invention. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, later flash says, uh, the same thing on a news report, uh, student couldn't be a student at Midtown. So basically the, the implication <laughs> you just said a, a student couldn't be a student at Midtown. Oh, <laughs> is that what I said? <laughs> yes. Spider, keep that all in. That's hilarious. <laughs> Spider-Man couldn't be a student. At Midtown. <laughs> There's no such thing as a student at Midtown. Couldn't be. We're all just friends here. Yeah. We just hang out. Um, Spider-Man, the, 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 the important thing is that basically the whole, this whole, they're trying to, I think, close that loop, which I think is very smart, right? Because it does open a can of worms that's been there since the first episode that it's like, if people are suspecting Spider-Man to be at Midtown, then like every fucking villain ever is going to attack Midtown High. How do you write yourself out of that corner? And this is basically sort of being like, we're just going to accept that all the villains and everybody in the world just sort of like. It seems like all the evidence is coming to the conclusion that that Spider-Man isn't a student at Midtown. We're putting that rumor to bed and we'll come up with other rumors later, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. So we don't have to even think about that anymore. Fine with closing mm-hmm. that loop there. Agree. Agree. I appreciate it for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate as much the way the episode ends. <laughs> it ends pretty abruptly. They sure. do put a bow on Ava and Peter sort of recognizing each other's strengths. I would argue... They more so have Ava recognize Peter's strengths and less so have Peter recognize Ava's strengths. But, you know, we couldn't have a perfect Ava episode, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Because Ava compliments Peter's creativity as just as strategic as her training. He does not necessarily say anything as nice or parallel to that. Um, I think he yeah. just takes the compliment, uh, full stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And- I like, I like the, I like the thought there that yeah. they, I like the idea broadly that like they learn to appreciate each other's views on superheroing, but yeah, it does not play out that way. Peter kind of comes off as being a weird, kind of a dick in this episode, yeah. at the, I think, uh, in this, in this scene. I think the episode accidentally makes Peter right when that wasn't the point of what they were doing. Yeah. Oh, it's, for not sure. nearly, yeah. it's not nearly, it's not nearly as bad as an ending as last week's episode. I think last week's episode was intervent like intervening. I think this one is maybe they didn't have enough time to like properly process what happened. So we can still pull the lesson from the episode. Um, Because it's clearly what they were setting up, and I don't think this this scene like fully undermines it. I think it just like kind of undersells it. No, no, no. I think it's just we. Yeah, undersell is perfect. It doesn't undermine it. Doesn't fully undercut what they were going for. It's just sort of like a weak way to tie things up. Yeah, they should have equally recognized each other's merits as as superheroes, and that would have would have would have worked. Um, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, Peter has to make fun of Coulson for wearing tidy whities. Okay. And that's where our episode ends. Making fun of the the tidy whities and like as a sixteen year old, I get it. When I was a sixteen year old, I would have made fun of him too. Same here, Um, but also Peter can think of nothing but Coulson's dick right now. Basically, is what so true. Hearing Uh, gayest episode ever. Basically, (laughs) look, I would have made fun of them as a sixteen year old, but secretly, I probably would have been fixated. Yeah, the reason that I would have been making fun of them is because I couldn't stop thinking about the crotch that I was looking at there, and in full denial of why I couldn't stop thinking about it. Absolutely. Damn, this show's gay. 
Yeah. Speaking of gay, before we do our final thoughts, faces of the episode, I'll get a better picture of the uh, of the gay 80s coach. This is just the one that I pulled. Mm-hmm. But basically, for thing I love, Taskmaster is serving two kinds of gay in this episode. Mm-hmm. He is serving mm-hmm. gay 80s coach. Like we said, we have talked at length about his his short shorts and mustache and sweatband. Oh, right? man. We didn't even we, mention his high socks with the stripes. I, I, try, I, threw the, I tried to throw it out. But we were just going too crazy. Yeah. The high, the high <laughs> tube socks with the stripes absolutely perfect i didn't even notice he was wearing a sweatband on his arm too amazing a plus good stuff like literally the only thing he's missing is like the earring on one ear like oh my god i (laughs) need someone to cosplay this please and send us a picture i mean if you cosplay it you're just cosplaying like a man from so many gay porn porns from the 80s that's fine you know it's for us But the other thing he's serving that we didn't even mention because it was a cutaway gag. Mm-hmm. There's a cutaway when Spider-Man considers working for, not considers, I guess is thinking about what it would be like to work for Taskmaster. <laughs> and it's really like a Cinderella thing where like Spider-Man is doing all of his chores while Taskmaster is just like splayed out on the recliner eating chips. But here's the thing. They make him like like a, a big fat man. It is so clearly like Taskmaster gay bear bait in this. He right. Is, because... Because they make him fat, but he's still Taskmaster, so he still has like all the same like arm and leg yeah. muscles, <laughs> and he still has like the cool so like, like muscle bear action skull. If you're if you're like somebody who's who's like very much like the helmet stays on kind of yeah. gay, which there are many of them. Look mm-hmm. at the Mandalorian. Um, that's that he's still in his full Taskmaster helmet, just. Also with like a tank top with his belly showing. There's some arm hair with his muscles and shit. Like you got the muscle bear. You got yeah. the 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 you know the chub lovers. Everything is included in this. Like full gay bear bait. Here's this. here's the detail I particularly love because it's absurd and I think it just adds to the particular taskmaster element of this as opposed to just the gay bear bait element he's got his boots on so it looks like he's wearing like go-go boots yes, it totally does. <laughs> so he's wearing like boxers and a tank top and go-go boots <laughs> <laughs> which is so fucking funny to me there is a bar where he would fit in perfectly on a bar top dancing while you order your drink <laughs> one though he would make so many tips dude are you kidding me absolutely oh he would be in a fucking um <laughs> He would be in a fucking Big Dipper music video. He would be. <laughs> Big Dipper could wear this. Yeah. This just could be Big Dipper. <laughs> I would rather this be a cosplay that someone does. If you had to choose, this is the cosplay that I want to see. Well, sure. This too. But Okay, but how great would it be? This would be the best moment of my entire life. Hands down. Doesn't matter. Don't care. If, if I saw two people at a con wearing each one of these outfits... I would just, I'd die on the spot. I would oh. shit myself and die out of excitement. I would propose to both of them. I'm Polly now. It'd be amazing. I'm just going to decide. <laughs> We're going to be a thruple, and this is just right. how I'm living my life. It would be the greatest cosplay ever. I need somebody who's like, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, it just, please, please, please. We need it. Oh, God. Desperately. <laughs> This so episode good. rules. This episode I think absolutely that this rips. This is my favorite episode of the show so far. Um, uh, oh, by, by kind of a, by honestly kind of a really wide margin, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what it says for the. I, I think some people would argue that it says terrible things for this season. That my favorite two episodes are the wackiest, most absurd, but like obviously comedy ones. But does well exactly, though. That's what this show is doing when it tries to be too serious. 
it doesn't hit the mark because other shows, their DNA is to be more serious. This show's DNA is to be wackier and campier and more Looney Tunes. And I think when they allow themselves to lean into it, like they did with the doomed episode with the tiny guy inside of five other guys, like that shit is what this show does. Well, the seagull outside of the helicarrier, this show with the campy gay eighties, uh, you know, porn star. Like that's what this show does well. And it's yeah. weird to say those things because, you know, they were so con like conscious and cognizant of the fact that they were making a show aimed at kids exclusively, not trying to do the like bridging of the gap thing, not trying to do the like all audience, like, no, we're making a show for kids. It's so funny that the stuff that works out so well is this kind of like weird layered comedy, you know? It's um good. <laughs> it's really fucking good. And, good. <laughs> and and I cannot stress enough that it's not just the camp of this episode that you and I liked. The actual story yeah. and plotting made a lot of sense. It's really the well The characterizations really made a lot of sense. It does everything right while being a weird campy episode. And if that's what this show continues mm-hmm. to do, I know it doesn't 100%. But yeah. anytime we encounter an episode that does camp and characterization and plotting really well i have a feeling we're gonna love it yeah and i think it uses its setting like i I said at the top i think it uses its premise and setting really well this episode wouldn't exist if you didn't have all the shield backstory and the white tiger stuff and and everything that i in a lot in some cases i don't like that much i don't i don't vibe with the premise of this show but if it creates an episode like this that utilizes those aspects of its world that it has built, uh, I'm fucking here for it. Then, yeah. like, this is the best case scenario for that. That's yep. like that's what I want. Like, if you if you're gonna set that stuff up, then you like play with it. You subvert it a little bit. Like, I I was worried that it was gonna be an episode about Spider Man and his team fighting a villain every week with Shield Tech, and they have to learn to work as a team. And that's absolutely not what the show is. That's no. not what this episode is. No, but it still uses those components yeah. to tell a really fun, cool story. It's great. If I never would have expected that my two favorite episodes out of the first six were a Taskmaster episode <laughs> and a Doctor Doom episode. What in the world? Yeah, I my yeah. my one of our notoriously least favorite episodes we've ever talked about was a Doctor Doom episode. Uh huh. So it's never, wild. Never been excited to see Doctor Doom no. in my life in anything no. ever. <laughs> no, especially in Spider Man. Yeah. So this yeah. is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, Keep it gay. Keep it camp. Yeah. Uh, and keep this shit coming. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Other sh- if you want to keep our shit coming, you can support us on <laughs> Patreon. It's a great way to uh, to keep us going. Uh, Patreon.com slash Walping Web Snappers. You can support us with as little as $1 a month to get most of the content on there, honestly. Or you can go up to $5 to get even more. But either way, we've got plenty of bonus episodes, well over 100 episodes at this point of stuff you can listen to. Talking about comics, video games, other non-Spidey-related media, everything you could ever think of. Uh, we're doing bonus episodes of there. If you'd like to chat with us, you can check out our Discord. We got a link in the show notes. You can uh, connect with us and other listeners and talk about whatever you want, whether it's related to our podcast or not. If you would like to hit us up individually, where can we find you and everything you're working on, Doug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a podcast I do with my friend Katie called Novel Gaming, where we catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately with a focus on books and video games. Um, and if you like Pokemon, check out Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast that I do. Derek, what about you? 
Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, and gimmicky episodes of television with a different show and a different guest every other Monday. we got plenty of new episodes coming out now. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Or you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. You can also check out a monthly podcast that Doug and I do called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we were watching every Pixar film chronologically. We have completed all of our episodes for that right now, and there won't probably won't be another one until Elemental comes out later. But if you want to catch up on our backlog of Pixar movies, you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow our website or check out our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. Got a full archive of all of our episodes of Wallop web snappers and falling with style and you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod uh, and see all those cool gay faces of taskmaster <laughs> um <laughs> there you can also the email many us, gay faces of taskmaster the many gay faces of taskmaster you can also email us at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us there uh, if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. It really helps us out. Next week, Mary Jane, remember she's a character in this? She gets uh-huh. an exclusive interview <gasps> in the episode entitled Exclusive. Interesting. Interesting. Can't wait to find out with whom. With whom. See you then. <laughs> Bye. like my voice is on the verge of going so let's hope it lasts for another hour